Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas, mostly but not exclusively BL dramas. It's part review, part recap, so there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Hi, welcome to episode 6 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. This is M. Today we're going to talk about Fish Upon the Sky episode 3. A newish, I guess, it came out in March, GL Girls Love series called Dear Uranus. A little bit about a Thai drama called Let's Fight Ghosts, which is not BL. And Word of Honor episodes 26, I'm sorry, 27 through 30. So let's start off with Fish Upon the Sky episode 3. Episode 3 was pretty funny. It is more of P trying to get Mung um, Na's attention. He decides to invite him to a blind date event that's going on. He's thinking of it as going on a date with Mung Na, but Mung Na's, I don't think, even thinking that way. He learns there's a rumor that if you go to the school lab at midnight, just after midnight, and you make a wish, your wish will come true. You have to leave the building, though, by 1213. So you have to make your wish by 1209, leave the building by 1213. If you don't leave the building by 1213, you yourself will be cursed. Mork, who is standing right next to P when he hears this rumor, pretty much knows what that what he has in mind. And remember, he's his, his online um, messaging friend, even though P doesn't realize it. And they talk about it there too, that P believe, you know, at, talks about this story that he heard about making a wish. So Mork knows that he's going to wind up going to the lab at night to make the wish. He also goes there unbeknownst to P. And it's just a pretty funny scene when they're in the lab because the lights keep flickering on and off and they think it might be a ghost or something. And every time the light flickers off, they're hugging each other. The light goes back on. They separate looking at each other like, what are you doing? Light goes off. They're hugging again. And they're always in different positions as they do this. So it's pretty funny. They grow a little closer because of this. P, of course, is wishing for Mungna to pay him some attention. And Mork's wish is just for P to be his friend. And he tells him so. I mean, we, we know he really wants more than friendship, but that's what he tells P. Advising P on how to get closer to his crush Mungna is his brother, Dwen. And Dun, we get to see a little more of his story with Mean as well. I would say that he's there as comedic relief, except that everyone everyone is comic relief here. This is definitely a comedy, very different from Tale of a Thousand Stars. Dunn is still roaming around trying to get through his life skills class so he can just graduate and he keeps like looking for someone that he can just sit next to and I don't know, copy off of, I guess, so he can just pass the class. And in the last episode, in episode two, he and Mean had been working on a project and then he wound up leaving Mean behind when they finished and drove off and he had Mean's water bottle water bottle hanging off his off of his motorcycle without realizing. So in this episode, Mean asks for it back and Dun is under the mistaken impression that something happened to Dun's mom to Mean's mom, who's the one who gave him the the water bottle, because he said that he, he had a sentimental attachment to the water bottle. So Dun decides he's going to go get the water bottle back from this little girl he had given to and gets into all sorts of weird adventures and more comedy. 
just trying to get this water bottle back. But you can see when he brings it back to Mean, they also start getting closer to each other. And you see that Dun, even though he's comedic relief and he's basically like trying to take advantage of people so that he can pass his life skills class. He's also a very soft-hearted guy who's like, I don't know, possibly crying at the drop of the hat or believing people's sob story and stuff like that. So he's not a bad guy. He's just trying to be too slick. Pretty funny episode, I thought. It was actually really hilarious when Mork and P were in the lab and the lights were going off and on. It ends kind of not sad. Well, sad for Mork, I think, the, the way it ends. He gets drunk and does something he shouldn't or makes a bad decision or whatever. So that'll be in the next episode. We'll see what happens after that. It was funny to me to watch the scene with the ghosts here because, or they don't show a ghost, but where they thought was the ghost, because I seem to be on some kind of track of watching Thai dramas with ghosts. I started checking out this show on Netflix and it's called Let's Fight Ghosts. And the reason I started watching it is because Saint is in it. He's the main character he plays a character called off and actually the storyline the description seemed pretty familiar to me until i realized that it seems like it is a remake of the korean drama bring it on ghosts starring taekyun so this thai drama stars saint and i don't know the actress's name but he's got a romantic uh, female lead there and he plays off who off has the ability to see ghosts and does not want to see ghosts he views it as a curse so he is trying to raise money so that he can have an, a cornea transplant so that it will hopefully stop him from seeing ghosts. His way of raising money is to perform exorcisms. He has the ability to fight ghosts. Not always, but sometimes. So he goes around seeking various exorcism jobs so that he can raise the money. On one of the jobs, which I don't think anyone was paying him for, but he decides to go to a high school that is supposedly being haunted by a high school girl because he sees a video online of these two guys who also go to his college. They call each other Junior. So I don't remember what their real names are, but they're part of like a um, paranormal club. So they go to the school looking for this ghost girl. He sees the video that they're there at the school and that they're doing this. And he decides he goes to the school as well. While he's there, he meets a female ghost who he thinks is the ghost who's haunting the school. It's actually not. It's someone else who's haunting the school. But he meets her. Her name is Jean Jatpa, I think was her name. She's the, the romantic interest of the show. I saw up to episode three. So everything I'm referring to is episodes one through three. She, through a series of events, realizes that he can help her because she has amnesia. She does not know anything about herself besides her name. And she wants to find out who she is. So that hopefully it would help her to move on. She's been a ghost for five years and has not been able to move on and feels very lonely. Because not only can she not move on, she's not able to reincarnate. She doesn't have any family member thinking about her, praying for her, etc. Or so she thinks because she doesn't know who she is. And she realizes that Off has the ability, might have the ability to help her discover who she is. So they start somewhat working together because I, have to, I say somewhat because it's pretty reluctant on his part. She's the one badgering him to help her. He really doesn't want to help her that much. Not anything against her necessarily, but he doesn't want to have anything to do with ghosts, which is why he's trying to have that cornea transplant operation in the first place. It's good so far. I have not actually seen the original Korean except for maybe five minutes of it. So I don't know how it compares to the Korean to the original version. But so far, it's pretty good. It's 
somewhat of a comedy, even though it's serious things going on. But I wouldn't call it a straight up comedy because the ghosts so far, some of them have been pretty scary looking. When he's fighting the ghosts, it's not funny moments like in Fish Upon the Sky. The few comedic moments happen at, happen at other times. When he's fighting ghosts, he's very serious about it. Because they do have the ability to hurt him, to hurt him physically. And he's not able to fight all of them. He can fight some, but not all. So they could really hurt him or possibly kill him. Also through working with her, it looks like he's beginning to realize that not all the ghosts that he's fighting are evil necessarily. Some of them have sad stories. They themselves were killed in violent ways and so they haven't been able to move on. And she has realized that not only can she see a little bit about what she has forgotten about herself, but she also somehow is able to sometimes see into the ghost's memory and see why it was that why it is that they are the way they are. This may be worth a watch if you like a little bit of horror mixed in with a little bit of comedy. There are the two characters that call each other Junior are the comedic relief and Off begins to get to know them a little bit. Probably they're going to become friends I would think. The same as he's beginning to know her which is good because he's pretty much a loner, doesn't want to work with anyone in any group projects in school. He's, he's a medical student, just doesn't want to deal with anyone because he's so focused on just having this operation and just changing his life around because obviously he doesn't want to be seeing ghosts for, for life. There's also some kind of backstory with his dad. I'm not sure what that's about, but he keeps receiving letters from his dad and putting them away in a drawer and not reading them. So I'm sure later on we'll get to find out what that's about. But if you like Saint, if you've seen him in other things, you'll probably like him here. Although this is very much action oriented. There's a lot of fighting in this. It's not romance necessarily, at least not so far. He fights a lot, but he also gets beat up a lot. I don't know how he doesn't have a lot of broken bones. <laughs> Just in episodes one through three. I mean, he's falling downstairs. He's being knocked through doors, all sorts of things. I don't know how he's still standing and walking around. I also got the chance to see Dear Uranus, which you can find on YouTube on the Rabbit and Wolf channel. And it's billed as the first Taiwanese girls love mini series. It's three episodes. Each episode is roughly 10 minutes long. It is the story of three, they're three high school girls. And we have Ro Ron Ning, who is a athletic high schooler, like I said. She does Taekwondo and there are two other girls who are interested in her. Yi Ching, who is this sort of shy, I mean, not, not super shy exactly. She does talk to her, but she's not athletic. She basically joined the Taekwondo team because she wants to be around Ryo Ning. And then we've got Jing, who is not necessarily on the uh, athletic person on Taekwondo, but she's around the Taekwondo team as kind of like an unofficial leader. She's friends with best friends with the captain of the Taekwondo team, who I think the captain likes her and she just doesn't even realize it. Jing is first attracted to Ryo Ning because I think she kind of reminds her of an ex-girlfriend that she had, who they used to, I guess, drink their milk the same way, drink their, their drink the same way. And Yu Ching is in the same class as Ryo Ning and that's how they know each other because Ryo Ning defended her and a moment where, with a mistake that she made. So she gets like a crush on her. Like I said, it's pretty short. Three episodes, about 10 minutes long. It's shot beautifully though. Because it's so short, they don't get too deep into storylines, but you do get a coherent story. 
like I said, yeah, you can see Jing keeps having these flashbacks to her ex-girlfriend. You see, she's still kind of hurting. I think she's looking for a rebound, which is why she gets interested in Ronin. Ronin, um, her father is apparently pressuring her to be in a competition for her Taekwondo, make some sort of career out of it, I guess, but she's not quite sure what she wants to do. And Yiching is just this, um, I don't like using the word demure, but I, I can't think of the other word I want for her. She's not, she's someone who's not super outgoing, but she immediately likes Ronin and talks to her and tries to just be around her. And I have to say, she is like the cutest character ever in terms of just being very adorable, like a little teddy bear. She's a complete opposite personality of Jing, who's a little bit aggressive. I guess that's that's not my word. I'm kind of hesitating to use that word because people use that for female characters when they're not necessarily being aggressive. But this is the word actually that Ronin calls her. She, call, she says that she's a bit aggressive. So they've got... Uh, Yuqing and Jing have very different personalities from each other. And Ronin is kind of caught in between the two of them in a way. And I guess not sure who she's going to like. But I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious that it should be Yuqing. I think they look adorable together. And Yuqing is not using her as some kind of rebound. She genuinely likes her. So I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, there's really hardly, you know, any girls love out there. So this is a nice... It's nice to see, and it's a good start. And like I said, it's pretty short. Really, it's half an hour because it's three episodes. And since they're about 10 minutes, as I was watching this, I was thinking of Nobleman Ryu's wedding, which I said felt like very choppy and everything. This one doesn't feel choppy, even though it's so short. So there is a way of doing a coherent storyline. You can tell that time is passing. It's a little hard to tell how much time is passing between, between what's happening in the story, but... Even with that, even though not being able to tell how much time has passed, it's still a coherent storyline. You can see them getting to know each other. You can see Ronin's confusion. It all looks believable. They've got a fair number of views on the channel, but of course, you know, they could use more. And, um, you know, I hope that they are able to continue and do future projects. Like I said, there's hardly any girls love stories out there. So it's good to see that this has come out and uh, hopefully there'll be more. Lastly, I'm going to talk about episodes 27 through 30 of Word of Honor. As of this recording, they've only shown up to episode 30, so I am caught up. Looks like the next couple of weeks, they'll be showing three episodes a week, not, not four like before, so they can stretch it out a little more and get their two weeks, <laughs> two weeks more out of Word of Honor. In the meantime, they continue to put out specials and clips from the Happy Camp and things like that, where... um. Simon Gong and Zhang Jiehan were guests. And they've also been showing a show called Ace, Ace Actress or something like that, where these they're women who are trying to be actors. And Simon Gong and Zhang Jiehan have also been guest appearing there as well. So Yoku is really putting out a lot of content. Episode 27 of Word of Honor starts off with Zosu Shu waiting. He's on a path. He's waiting because Ye Bai is coming back to Four Seasons Manor. Zosu Shu decides to cut him off at the pass, so to speak. He has sent one Cushing down on a trip to get some provisions to bring back so that they can feed Ye Bai, you know, food. Some He wanted some dumplings, I think it was. So Zosu Shu had sent one Cushing away. Turns out the reason he sent him away is because, as we have suspected, he knew that Wang Cushing was the leader of the Ghost Valley. 
And he knows that Ye Bai Yi is coming to confront and probably kill Wan Cushing. So he decides to try to stop him. Even as Ye Bai Yi is confronting him, saying, you know, do you know who he really is? Zosu Shu is saying, yes, I know who he is. He is my junior, my soulmate. And that's not really what Ye Bai Yi wants to hear, but he realizes that Zosu Shi knows. And they wind up fighting because Zosu Shu is not going to let Ye Bai Yi hurt his soulmate. And Wan Cushing realizes something's wrong, or maybe he realized that Zosu Shu had sent him on a, on a wild goose chase. And he just, he comes back and he starts fighting with Ye Bai Yi because he sees Zosu Shu has been beat up. This is like a super touching scene because of course, neither one of them have the strength to fight Ye Bai Yi. Ye Bai Yi is immortal. He's had years of practice and study on his martial arts. And he basically beats the mess out of them and is going to kill Wan Cushing. And Zosu Shu pleads for his life and tells him, you know, basically everybody failed Wan Cushing. They failed his family and he had to suffer. And he and he is the way he is because he was failed by all of these people who were supposed to protect him as a child. And I love that Ye Bai is lecturing Zosu Shu about if, you're, if your master knew that you were harboring this guy and the way he is. And Zosu Shu's like, no, if my master was here, he would be standing right next to me defending our family member. And with that, since they realize that there's no way they can fight Ye Bai Yi, they sit on the path. They, they can't hardly stand. They've both been beat up. They wait to die. They wait for Ye Bai Yi to kill them. But he decides not to. And tells Wan Cushing, if you stay in Four Seasons Manor and change your ways, I will leave you alone. If I see you outside, I will kill you the way I have sworn to kill everyone from Ghost Valley. If there was any question at all that these guys love each other, I mean, it's totally been answered here. They are willing to die for each other. They're willing to defend each other. It's it's beautiful. And one Cushing, it's, it's funny for me to say this, him being the leader of the Ghost Valley, but he's just got such love in his heart. And he wants to be good, you can tell, for Zozashu. He can't even really look at him when Zozashu is defending him, I guess, because he just feels guilty that he never got to tell Zozashu who he was. He always wanted to, but he couldn't because he was scared. He's also got the problem now that even though Zozashu knows, Chongling still doesn't know. And so he feels like he's lying to him. Episode 28, we see Prince Jin return. If you recall, we haven't seen him for a while. If you recall, he is the one who Zozashu worked for when he was in the window of heaven as an assassin so he is back he looks like he's trying to go for the glazed armor or go for his own power um, the rest of this episode is basically about family right because we see scorpion with um second uncle scorpion kind of realizing that second uncle would throw him under the bus if it suited him but at the same time seeming to believe second uncle's lies you know when he says that he needs him and everything he just he's kind of obsessed he loves second uncle some people who watch the show i've seen on twitter questioning what form that loves take that love takes he does have a kind of or did at least have a kind of hero worship for him because he says that second uncle saved him we also get to see our little family of chanling zozushu and one cushing they're celebrating together it's the spring festival it's there they're celebrating together having a meal together fireworks are going off and they're all toasting each other it's just a beautiful little family scene and at one point Chang Ling goes to runs off to play they let him run off to play and they hear him call out and it's because Han Ying has jumped over the fence Han Ying is 
the one who was very loyal to Zozushu, who was his subordinate before, he has jumped over the fence. He is injured. He's almost dying. And so they have to try to help him. We also see more of Sawi Ning and Gashang in this episode. Gashang has, re they have reached Sawi Ning's sect. She is not allowed to go in. Nothing against her, but they've basically, they've closed off the mountain. And the reason they've closed it off, I had actually forgotten about this, but on that mountain is the best friend of Gao Chang, who is Chang Ling's uncle, who had, who had previously had pieces of the glazed armor and was killed during the Heroes Conference. He had sent off his pieces of the glazed armor with his best friend, and that's what's on the mountain. That's what they're trying to protect. So no one is allowed onto the mountain. So Gachang is allowed to stay in a villa that's just at the bottom of the mountain. And so she finds herself alone for the spring festival, or she thinks she's alone, but actually there's a knock on the door and who comes in, but Sawining and some of his, his brothers, his fellow disciples. It's so cute. And she's so touched. You can tell by the way they've just embraced her and welcomed her, her in. Even though they don't really know who she is, they have their kind of suspicions about who she really is because she doesn't have family as far as they can see. They're just willing to embrace her, willing to, to bring her in because of Sawining. The way that the fellow, his fellow family members are so free-spirited and open, you, you can tell exactly why Sawining is the way he is. And he's the perfect person for Gaoshang to reclaim her humanity. Episode 28 brings a lot of changes. Han Ying has arrived at Four Seasons Manor, very injured. Wan Cushing tries to save him, is unable to, and uses all of his internal force to try to save him and winds up collapsing just as Zozushu returns. Zozushu had gone to look for the two people who were coming to help him with his injuries, trying to intercept them to see if they can help Han Ying. Han Ying, unfortunately, doesn't make it, and... While all this is going on, Prince Jin has sent the people from the window of heaven to capture Zozushu and bring him back to him. Also in this episode, Scorpion King attacks Sawening's clan because he realizes that there is the leader of that clan was the best friend of Gao Chang, so he realizes that he must have the glazed armor. So he attacks the clan to, to try to get the glazed armor. Also here, um, Sawining realizes that Gaoshang is from Ghost Valley. Well, he learns that Wang Cushing is the leader of the Ghost Valley. So that means Gaoshang is from Ghost Valley as well. And it ends with them, you know, kind of at a stalemate, not knowing where to go from there. He's obviously in complete shock. He knew she had had a rough, rough life based on what she had said, but never obviously suspected that she was from the Ghost Valley. Episode 30 sees almost everyone separated from each other, whether physically or emotionally. Sawining and Gaoshang have to try to come to an understanding with each other. Sawining has to under try to understand where Gaoshang's coming from. You know, he says to her, if she turns out to be someone who was sent as a spy from Ghost Valley, that he will have to kill her. And of course, she's not a spy. She's just someone who wants to try to live a human life. And that's what one Cushing wanted for her. So she explains the whole story to him. Even before that, he says to her, you know, I believe you. I believe in you. I love Sawini. He's such a great character. And so is she as well. She explains to him the whole story of how Wan Cushing wound up in Ghost Valley and what his plan had been for revenge 
all along and you know saying to him like he's not a bad person he's just wound up there and he has this plan that he's trying to fulfill in the meantime Wan Cushing is still collapsed and Chang Ling had run into uh, Dawu and Jin Bei Yuan who were the ones who had come to try to help Zozushu with his problem his problem with the seven nails to try to save them they wind up helping Wan Cushing he wakes up and that's when he founds out, finds out that Zozushu has been captured by Prince Jin. Uh, most, the rest of episode 30 is focused on two storylines. We get a revelation that Second Uncle has been working with the leader of the Wind Sect. And so he's very angry at Scorpion King for having killed some of the disciples and winds up striking him, actually. And it seems like this is Scorpion King is finally realizing that he cannot count on his adoptive father whatsoever. And we'll see how that plays out later. Also, we have the storyline of Zozishu, who's now in the hands of Prince Jin, who is trying to win Zozishu back to his side. Of course, there is no way that that is going to happen because Zozishu has lost all of his family members. Prince Jin also destroyed Four Seasons Manor, so he's taken away everything. And he makes these disparaging remarks about Han, Han Ying, who was so loyal to Zozishu and who Zozishu has just seen pass away right before he was captured. And, you know, for him to speak about him that way, he just doesn't understand Zozishu and never will. And he even says at one point that he considered them, some, them soulmates and Zozishu is like, you're not qualified. Especially, he already has his soulmate. Prince Jin is not his soulmate. Prince Jin, of course, comes to regret that he has let Zozishu even get near him because I don't know why, but he seems to have forgotten that Zozishu was the leader of the window of heaven. And as he said, he knows about a thousand ways to kill people. So Prince Jin will regret that he let Zozishu get within five feet of him. Zozishu, even though he's being tortured here, is, you know, defiance until the end. I'm sure he knows that one Cushing is coming for him and it's just a matter of time and he just has to wait. Good episodes. A lot of the tension is really ramping up because of course we've just got a few episodes left and now all the major players are coming in. People who you thought were good are going to be turned out to be evil probably. People who you thought were evil are going to turn out to be good. Alliances formed, alliances severed. I can't say it's getting interesting because it's been interesting but it's getting even more interesting. Even though we got to see Zozjistu's strength in this episode as an assassin, as a former leader of the Window of Heaven, we also see his vulnerability. Zhang Jehan, there are certain scenes where, you know, like his hand is trembling or he's just like his lip is trembling as he's showing his vulnerability and, you know, more fine acting here. Very heavily focused on uh, Zhang Jehan for this episode and the person playing Prince Jin I don't know the actor's name but he's doing a good job there too because there's that character is just very despicable and uh you know I have a strong dislike for that character in this episode so that just shows what good acting that actor did as well it'll be interesting to see in the next few episodes what happens including with Chan Ling finding out about Wan Cushing because so far he still doesn't know and he has said several times that they need to go after the Ghost Valley. So how is he going to respond when he finds out his beloved uncle was actually the leader of Ghost Valley? So the next uh, podcast episode 
we'll be talking about episodes 31 through 33 of Word of Honor. And we'll be looking at the next episode of Second Chance. If another episode of Close Friends comes out, I will possibly be checking that out as well. Thanks for joining me for this episode six of Notes from a Drama Watcher podcast. Stay safe, everyone.